Welcome to the Underground Playground Podcast with Mike and Steve. We're bringing you the voices and personalities of the physical culture world, so listen up. All right, guys and girls, here we are again. My name is Steve Bowser, and I'm with the Underground Playground Podcast. I'm based out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the Playground Gym. And we have a special guest today, a good friend of mine, Don McCauley. He is a phenomenal weightlifting coach. We're going to get to him in a minute. And I am going to introduce my co-host and very good friend of mine, Mike Manning. He is at a Harbor City Fitness, which is in Melbourne, Florida. Mike, take it from there. Hey, thanks, Steve. Hey, Don, how are you, man? Uh, how you doing? Good. Mike here from Melbourne, Florida. We're a, we're a weightlifting club as well. Um, as, as well as a CrossFit gym. So we're really interested in uh, speaking with Don today. Uh, he's out there. He's been 30 years in the weightlifting or more, right? And uh, yeah, uh, high-level coach, and he's got a lot of experience and knowledge that uh, we hope we can get him to share with us today. Don, how are yeah. you doing? I'm doing, doing fine. And uh, yeah, I, I, every time I hear somebody say I've been in this business for 30 years or more it kind of shocks me but uh it's the truth (laughs) of it that's awesome man did you actually uh your first student was probably george washington wasn't it (laughs) he was he was a good lifter but uh you know yeah that's great man listen and uh uh, wooden teeth and it didn't really work out (laughs) so i met don um god it's probably been jesus Time flies, man. It's, it's probably got to be about six, maybe five, six years, I think. At least six years ago, yeah. Uh, I had, I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of getting, I call specialists down to my training facility to try to teach uh, different types of, you know, seminars and clinics. And I had the, um, the luxury of having Don, Don come down to my facility and uh, teach us because I, you know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the, the, the phrase, you know, catapult, catapult. And a lot of people didn't, didn't really understand what it was. And, and I know Don was teaching this method and coined the phrase the catapult. And it was interesting because uh, I wanted to know more. So I actually invited, I invited Don down. And at the time, I think, Don, you still had, uh, you still had a CrossFit facility in, in Savannah, Georgia, correct? Yeah, I still I still am the uh, the nominal owner of that CrossFit facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the manager now is a, a woman named uh, Carrie uh, Hannabrink, uh, and um, she is um, she has been my assistant down there. She she runs the uh, gym there. She also runs a uh, a, a um, nonprofit organization that benefits inner city kids with both weightlifting and education. Uh, so it all kind of combines into one deal. They've got a couple of buildings down there. And, um, you know, she does a great job. Yeah, that's excellent. So where, where is that, Don? Oh, where? I'm sorry, Savannah, Georgia. Right, yeah, in Savannah. Savannah. Okay. That's, a, that's a beautiful city, man. I've been there. It's quite a, a damn hot city is what well, it is. We're in Florida. That no, is beautiful. <laughs> Very nice, yeah. Yeah. So, so you back- were talking about the catapult, right? Yeah, so back then, let me just finish that timeline there. So back then, Don was still at uh, Savannah. Uh, yep. Later on, you ended up going to uh, work for Muscle Driver. 
and right. help out with the weightlifting team over there. So when you came down the first time, I can't remember if you actually brought a lifter with you or you just happened to be coming down here. Um, I think you actually came down to pick some equipment up. from. I, I picked a rower up. That's right. That's right. Yes. So yeah, you were selling some of your older rowers off and yeah. I needed one. Yeah, I think we had a competition and picked up some new rowers and I sold yeah. some of the older ones. So, so you actually uh, did a clinic out at my facility and, and was teaching the catapult. And uh, it was really interesting. And the funny thing is, you know, several of our members, you know, they really started, uh, you know, it, it, it picked up on it really quick and they started hitting some PR. So that's one of the main reasons why we got you on here is because we want you to explain to everybody listening, because a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people, but several people are still kind of, they don't understand it. But in your words, you know, just kind of explain a little bit more about the catapult and how you actually came up with that term. Yeah, well, uh, how I came up with the term was actually within a, um, a debate that we had on the old, uh, the old weightlifters blog called Go Heavy, or the yeah. weightlifting forum called right. Go Heavy, and quite a few years ago now. Um, but um, and I was in a debate with a couple of guys and the, the eternal debate was in, in American weightlifting was, uh, do you try to drive up through your toes and shrug your shoulders and jump up into the air, more or less, although you didn't get up into the air because you had heavy weight in your hand uh, to get up into the air with uh, weights to make the weights go up? Or as I came up in the middle of this debate with, is it more of the human being acting like a catapult? where we launch the weights up into the air and then launch ourselves back down under the weights, uh, slingshot wise, which is a catapult. And, and, and my basic thoughts about the catapult um, are this, you know, at the basic definition of a, any catapult uh, is the fact that it's a machine that uses its own energy to project uh, some uh, or to launch some kind of a projectile okay yeah. not throw it on an arc not push it out as a weightlifter but to unravel and use your own power uh, to to launch something okay so it's a general idea it's not a specific technique I have my techniques that I like but I've I've, I've, um, I've mellowed over the years and, and kind of come to the conclusion that there are a whole lot of techniques that work, um, but all of the techniques that work are essentially taking advantage of the human being as a catapult. And we are you know, li literally launching uh, the bar from our legs or hips up into the air. And when it goes, it doesn't go far because it's very heavy. When it goes up in the air, we launch ourselves back down under it to catch it. To catch it. Yeah, that's uh, a... Yeah, I, yeah. My understanding of, of it is is um, it's more of a description of what's yeah. actually physically occurring versus yeah. a technique. Would, yeah, would that there can be, be lots of techniques. I mean, there's the what you might call the classic European technique, where the the uh, uh, the lifter pushes from the front middle of the foot and uh, moves his balance to the back of the foot as the weight comes off the floor, keeps his back constant and then comes up and finishes it and accelerates it in the second pull to variations of that where the back doesn't stay constant uh, to the Chinese pull now, which pretty much stays on the front of the foot all the time. 
and uh, tries to keep the yeah. hips lower and all of these things. Uh, but what I wanted to, the, the basic thing I wanted to differentiate was the idea that was in America at that time, that it was some sort of a jump. Now people started, uh, Sean Waxman, a friend of mine now, <laughs> now, uh, started to <laughs> kind of get, uh, get the argument going that it was catapult versus triple extension. Well, that's not really true. Um, triple extension is something that happens. Uh, I had made a couple of comments and I still truly believe them. Matter of fact, I'm going to do a video this week about it, um, that uh, weightlifting simply is not done by a jumping motion because you can do weightlifting perfectly well flat-footed. Now, most people don't. They get up into the triple extension and plantar, a plantar extension is added to triple extent of the reality of triple extension, which is hips, knees, and ankle uh, in sports. Everything, every time we see normally triple extension, you also have plantar flexion and right. usually force through that plantar flexion. Well, right. I don't believe you need to put force through the plantar flexion to lift weights. You might do plantar flexion uh, for positional reasons, yeah. but you don't need to put force through it. The bar essentially to me is already launched by that right. time. So your, your job, that, that's just somebody maybe hanging out at the top too long then, right? Yes, and that's what was happening in American weightlifting in the 80s and 90s. You had guys that would go very, very tall, very straight, and they'd almost stall. It was almost as, as if they were doing a high pull and staying there. Yeah. Uh, and they would, lose, they would lose time to the bar. The bar would peak and start down, and they would simply kind of fall at the rate of gravity and they'd be late getting to the receiving position. Um, when, at the same time, the world was catching on that a lot of things can be done to shorten that trip and to accelerate the, uh, for the athlete to accelerate himself all the way from the set position to the receiving position and never get very tall. Yeah. Usually the Europeans and, uh, uh and, um, the uh, Asians later on a little bit um, were shorter at extension uh, than they would have been standing straight up and fairly much on the balls of their feet on the toes. Yeah. So, so they would be, they would be shorter at the full extension in a lift than they would be if they were standing uh, straight up against the wall and lifting themselves up into a, a, a plantar flex position. And that was the idea was you could get full extension, you get the benefits of full extension, but you have less, t less distance to go to get yourself back to the receiving position. And you've already started to, uh, and uh, you've already started to, if you will, fall backwards that way. So your tendency in your mind would be to rush and get yourself down to a receiving position that would protect you. And in our case, you happen to catch the bar. Right. You I think that whole, yeah, that whole the bar. about, you know, getting tall, you know, we want elevation on the bar, right? We want elevation on the bar. Elevation Not your on, body. on I the mean, human being makes no damn difference. Right. If you're elevating the bar and elevating yourself, you're both elevating. Right. You're not making a difference there. You want to elevate the bar and be already gone to, to make yourself smaller. So that, that was my argument. And, um, uh, 
lifters like Kakashvili uh, reinforced it, where he, he stayed, he was an oddity, but he stayed basically flat-footed through the entire extension and only lifted his heels on the way down a lot of the times. Yeah. And, and that was just to move his feet. You know, he did, it's not needed. It, it, uh, well, it is needed positionally for most people. It's not needed to add force to the, to the acceleration upwards of the bar. The bar so is gone. Yeah, it's, I mean, you make a pretty concise argument. And, you know, as someone who's coached weightlifting for not as long as you, but for a while, you know, you see these things and it becomes pretty obvious. Why then do you think there was so much controversy about that term and then that argument in the weightlifting community uh, back and forth about triple extension and catapult and then, then it became bouncing it off your hips and yeah i know it. yeah that, why that, do you suppose well, that argument just blew up one, one of the things one of the things and i think a major thing um was that um the the the, the textbooks and the technical manuals uh that were written by the usaw or uswf back in the old days um were pretty much invested in calling things a jump and pretty much invested in telling people to drive up through the balls of their feet and pretty much invested in telling people to shrug at the top, shrug upwards at the top. Yeah. Uh, driving up onto the balls of the feet to me is death. Uh, shrugging at the top isn't much better. You shrug to get under the bar. You use your, you use your trapezius like you use your arms to accelerate yourself downward, not to try to lift the bar upwards. Uh, that just stalls you. Uh, I mean, just, you know, I mean, I don't think it really takes a lot of uh, practice to show somebody if they've got a bar in their hands and you put them on, you know, put it and say, get up on the toe, get up on your toes and shrug. You can feel how everything just stops. And they were pretty much invested in that. The second thing that happened, uh, and that happened later in the argument, or the, yeah, <laughs> let's call it a debate, um, was that uh, John North came on the scene and did a lot of clinics and he called his his technique a catapult technique now john uh, was a very good lifter uh but he had a very unique style of lifting and um what it led to is a lot of people thinking that you somehow bounce the bar outwards away from right. yourself in a catapult whereas a jump you didn't know as i said a catapult describes any good lifting technique and any good lifting technique only drives the bar upwards in the second right. pull and keeps it over the base of support, meaning your feet. So uh, it never that, drives it the, away. Yeah, yeah, that's where the, the uh, So those two things, and I still get it. I mean, if you look at, I was looking at a video put out by one of these newer organizations last week that I, I, I wrote in about where they're, they're saying um, uh, certain things like the back, stays constant in the first pull. Well, the back might stay constant angle in the first pull, but it certainly doesn't have to. There are many lifters that don't. Uh, Lou, Lou certainly does it. Many famous lifters. Uh, Cheryl Hayworth called me today asking me about a post. Cheryl Hayworth never did. Her back angle changed in the first pull uh, by necessity. Yeah, uh, right. You know, so, and, and, and any, what you come down to is there are a lot of different techniques for a lot of different body types. And uh, if they're keeping the bar over the, over the base of support, they're going to, they're going to work for somebody. And, and to me, as you said earlier, 
it defines the general motion. It's a catapulting motion to me. Uh, and if you think yeah. of it, otherwise, I think you go down a road that's going to lead to having the bar being forward and to you stalling at the top. Yeah, to, yeah. to uh, errors. Yeah. Isn't there, isn't there, I mean, isn't it safe to say that it's obvious that different, different techniques work for different lifters and some of the, some of the contributing factors would obviously be there anatomically, you know, the yeah. type and uh, obviously yeah. some lifters have very strong legs. Some lifters have very strong backs. I mean, I remember when Dmitry Klokov came down and he did a seminar at our uh, clinic at our gym. Man, that guy's back was just so freaking strong, man. Yeah. He was able to shoot his ass up and just, you know, yeah. slam. It's, it's just amazing watching that guy lift, you know, and yeah. uh, watching him do, uh, I think he did 20, 20 uh, clusters. I mean, he was picking up the bar, squat clean, thrustering it. I think it was probably about, I don't even remember. It might have been like 300 pounds. And I mean, I didn't think the guy was going to stop, man. I was going to go yeah. to what? Come back. You know, yeah, and, uh, uh, the amount of I power did, that guy has. I just wrote a post that, that talked about that. Uh, some kid had asked me a question about that very thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the basic... A lot of this, a lot of this stuff came from the Russians. I think, I think uh, a lot of American coaches still have a love affair going on with the uh, the Russian information and the Russian coaches, and they talked a lot about having the constant angle of the back from the floor to past the knees uh, before you started to get up and, and go into the second pull. Um, uh, I, obviously, with different body types, uh, it's not going to work. Uh, as well as having a variable angle, um, but also uh, just in general strength, just like you said, uh, like I, when I get a new female lifter, I will, ba and, and a lot of males too, uh, especially young males, I'll try them with the hips lower and the back at a higher angle uh, rather than just a, fl a flatter angle and tell them to drive off. I, I don't, I think it saves the back. Uh, to be at the higher angle starting off. And I think it brings in the legs better. Uh, and again, then it comes down to what the links are, what the strengths are, all this stuff. But, yeah. but basically that up that having the hips a little higher and having the back uh, at a, at a lower angle immediately puts the back under stress. When you're driving the bar from the floor, you're overcoming the inertia of the bar. And that's going to be the most stressful time physically for your body during the whole lift. Yeah. So I I tend to I tend to drop the hips. Yeah. Uh, more than not when I can. But I have lifters that don't. I have uh, Jackie Bigger, who's one of my best lifters, uh, who's uh, a girl that has uh, very very strong hips and legs, but uh, short back um, and uh, short thigh. And so when she gets on the bar, to when she pulls it through the first pull, her back stays pretty constant. Yeah. It's just the way she's built. And, you know, you go with that. You don't try to change it into something that's just not going to work. Uh, yeah. but, but I do think in general, um, the, 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 the lower hip, higher back angle thing is a back saver uh, as far yeah. as coming off the floor. So I'll try that. And yeah. uh, I can't even remember what the original question was now. <laughs> but, no, we were just talking about the Yeah, well, yeah. that's it. I mean, that's basically what you – what kind of makes sense to you guys makes sense to me, guys. To me, the, the reason I harp on it so much is they, uh, meaning the USAW and the, and the NSCA and, and some other things and some of these newer 
uh, organizations that are online keep wanting to say constant back angle in the first pull. Well, yeah. that's too simplistic and it's wrong for a lot of people and they're gonna have, they're gonna have trouble and they're not gonna progress like maybe they could if they keep trying it. And Stephen, you've seen me at clinic, I'll just generally throw people's, I'll move their hips down to see mm -hmm. it work. And, yeah. and what I'm looking for at a set position always more than where their hips are is where their knees are. If, they're, yeah. if their shoulders are generally vertically over the bar, approximately, and their arms are descending to the bar, I wanna see the knees jutting out in front of those arms. If I don't see that, then I think you've got your knees, you got your back too high. You get your legs too straight and your back is too, too so flat. So you use, you use the knee position in relation to the elbow or forearm area and the yes. bar to determine if, if they have a decent back angle. Yes, and, and the Russians used to uh, write about, uh, at least, that they wanted those arms to pass the, uh, the knee joint. So the kind of the back of the knee uh, as you sit there. Uh, now, I don't think that's true. I, I think if you got it, cause, because it depends on your femur length and things like yeah. that and your mobility. I think if you have any part of the knee in front, you've got to see where the arms are. The arms pretty much vertical. If they are and the knees showing in front, then to me, the hips are in place and, and you go with it, you know, cause I've got kids that do sit down and they're right about through that joint. And then I've got uh, people like Bigger who sits down and I'll just get a little peek of her kneecap. Yeah. And she's fine. So, you know, I'm not going to change it like that. If it's working, I'm much more like the Chinese uh, uh, seem to be. That's what they talked about that they are is I'm results oriented. If it's working, I'm not going to play with it a hell of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So right now you're, uh, you're based out of uh, uh, Mash Elite's facility. Right. Um, and you still do uh, traveling clinics. If uh, people reach out to you, they can actually have you come and uh, you'll travel to their facility, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta get you back down here because it's just a yeah. blast, man. Uh, oh, it's one, always fun. Yeah, one thing I do enjoy uh, is your creative ways of doing little drills. For example, to get lifters off their toes, you'll have them stand on a piece of plywood with their toes hanging off the plywood. So yeah. that when they when they do their lifts, obviously they got to put all their weight on the back of their foot because if they don't, they're going to actually lean forward. And uh, those are the several little things that you do. You got little yeah. drills on YouTube, rock and roll, and um, I can't remember what other ones you call them, but I've got rock and roll, dirty dancing. Yeah, dirty dancing. I've got a few. Yeah. <laughs> so good stuff, uh, actually, yeah. and um, very, very informative. So we're gonna we're gonna actually um, one other thing I wanted to ask you is. Um, your, your outtake, uh, what do you, what do you think about, uh, CrossFit, CrossFit, how it's affected weightlifting? Um, do you, do you think, um, it, you know, we always ask all the, the guests, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, what do you think is good about CrossFit? What do you think is bad about it? I know that, you know, listen, I, I think Mike Bergner is an amazing coach. He's an amazing, yep. the guy's awesome. You know, I know he's kind of taught different types of methods that some of the other Olympic weightlifting coaches may not agree with. Um, I think Mike's actually um, done an excellent job and helped a lot of people. I just actually seen him at the CrossFit Games. He looks great. Um, he looks healthy. What's your thoughts on, in, in about you know, CrossFit? And, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 
So yeah, just give us your uh, well, give us your outtake on CrossFit in general yeah, and CrossFit. Well, millions of years ago, an asteroid hit the Earth and it killed off all the dinosaurs. Well, <laughs> a, a few years ago. Oh wait a minute. Naturally, I've got a phone call. Hold on. Go ahead. Take it from there. Oh, Is he answering it? I just turn it off quickly. Oh, that was me calling you, Don. That was me. <laughs> You'll. Anyway, a few years ago, the CrossFit asteroid hit the Earth, and it exploded the USAW with members. Yeah. Okay, so it was a it was a boon to us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it 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 is the reason we grew so fast. And coaches. Um, and coaches too. You oh, know. coaches too, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, our organization went from two or three thousand to now I think twenty eight thousand. Yeah. In a period of about four or five years, uh, well, maybe six, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's been tremendous. Uh, and uh, the athletes, you know, again, what we've done is we've expanded our gene pool uh, by that many. Uh, and we've got a specific group of pretty good athletes. Yeah. Uh, that because And they've had all the GPP training you mm-hmm. could possibly want because they've been doing CrossFit. Right. Now they've been doing, I mean, the only real difference between GPP and CrossFit is there's a clock on them in CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. You know, realistically, they're getting all that initial GPP. And that's what we were missing, I think, yeah. in a lot of athletes uh, and um, that we got that were very, very good weightlifters, uh, but they didn't go out and play anymore when they were kids. And now CrossFit, although, you know, it's an organizer, it's a business and all, basically kids are back to playing and learning a lot of stuff that's that that's what i think is the greatest thing and i i still include uh crossfit things uh the uh, in in my uh very good athletes in my elite athletes they do they do at least at least three movements uh of gpp every day that they lift now i don't have a clock on them uh but they don't sit around either yeah, uh, and they're pretty much they they actually like it a lot. They actually like to go out and get off the platform and do something different. Yeah, and they'll often do more than even I want them to do, and I think it serves them real well both mentally and physically. Um, the downside to CrossFit, um, and it's, it it goes along with the downside of the uh, of the internet. Everybody suddenly is an expert. Yeah, <laughs> there uh, there's no variation between. Uh, me and you, not to say you aren't an expert, Stephen, but me and you and, uh, and anybody else on the internet, uh, yeah. because, uh, you know, we're all, we're all in the same place. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't, you don't know what it takes to uh, create international athletes. And, uh, and nobody does that's listening to you know the difference between the yeah. two of us. So, so that's a downside. Uh, the coaches that, that have come from CrossFit, generally, I get along with pretty well. Um, they, at first, I think, uh, ran, afoul, ran afoul of the, uh, the, uh, the rules of the warm-up room and stuff. They just didn't know. Uh, yeah. I think they're learning about that. Um, CrossFit, uh, CrossFit athletes that come into weightlifting, I really, really do like their competitiveness. Um, CrossFit, uh, the thing probably I, I miss is that they think 
that weightlifting began when CrossFit began. Yeah. And if they learned a particular technique, they don't know of anything else. Uh, I had a very good, uh, for instance, I had a very good CrossFit team come down uh, to uh, MASH a few weeks ago, a, a regional type team, you know, and um, they came down and, and I basically changed the way most of them weightlifted uh, and, and actually had a couple of the women come up to me and say things like, you understand that you are exploding everything we've been told. Huh. And, you know, I said, well, are you lifting better today? And they said, yes. Well, okay. then, then go with it. You know, yeah. the, 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 the problem comes where, and we talked about Mike, we talked about uh, his program about teaching uh, Olympic weightlifting is a couple of things. One, uh, mostly Olympic weightlifting in uh, CrossFit is done with very light weights very many times. You've got to do a different form if you're going to lift a heavy weight one time, period. Yeah, and you can two, get away with a lot of mistakes with light weight. Sure, it doesn't matter. You can bull weight up. I've got, you know, I tell my lifters every day um, that, you know, just because you lift the bar up and get it overhead doesn't mean you did it right and doesn't mean you're going to be able to live with that technique. I mean, I've got athletes here that, that hell, they got 15 different ways they can put the bar overhead. <laughs> and 14 of them aren't right, you know, so yeah. I got I to gotta show them what the right way is and what's the one that they've got to, you know, as weightlifting is, you've got to be able to repeat that form every time. Exactly. You know, just as close as to exactly as you can. Um, and lifting. And now when you go to the very big variation of lifting light weights against heavy weights uh, and light weights on a clock for uh, against heavy weights, it's totally different. It's totally different. Um, and um, also the other thing with Mike's program is there are so many people you can tell as teachers how to do something before the message starts to deteriorate. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, tell a, you tell a person the same joke and you go 30 people down that told the joke to each other and by the end of it, it's unrecognizable. Uh, right. This this is what happens in any kind of sport, any kind of teaching. Um, it's hard to maintain control over a lot of people teaching the same thing that you know when you were the original really experienced guy like Mike was. And they are absolute newbies at, at learning about Olympic lifting and they're trying to still interpret what you're saying in their own minds. And then oh. they pass on that level of learning and the next guy passes on that level of learning and pretty soon the learning goes downhill pretty quickly. Well, that, that makes uh, complete sense. I mean, that's the, the old telephone game, right? Yeah. Right. You know? But now let's like, let's explore this for a second because you mentioned, you know, we, we were talking a minute ago about, you know, high reps and lightweight, you can get away with whatever you want. It won't sure. work for you at a heavy weight. You see, you know, you could yeah. 15 ways to get the bar overhead. Only one of them is right. Yeah. Um, for, now, for, for a competitive athlete, that's very true. I would definitely agree. Mm -hmm. What do you think the problem, though, is with an amateur, you know, CrossFitter who um, likes Olympic weightlifting, likes to feel the heavy weight, but they're not going to compete necessarily, um, and, but yet they still do high rep, you know, so they get a lot of practice doing it wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
because they can, and then they go to heavier weights and it, maybe they're not going to compete. Do you, do you think there's a, a problem with that? Or, I mean, sh- should at lightweight in the high reps, should, should we not do them or should people be using excellent technique? What do you think? No, I, well, I think, um, I, I think the best thing that I could say about that, and I've told a couple of CrossFit coaches this, and I've told a couple of weightlifting coaches this, uh, you've got to be clear with a, a CrossFitter who's again, not, um, not necessarily going to compete in Olympic weightlifting, uh, but um, that there is a, there are two different techniques. There's a technique for lifting lightweight and there's a technique for, and especially lightweight on the clock. And there's a technique for lifting heavyweight. And you've got to be taught both if you plan to do both, even if it's within a a workout. Okay. You can't use what, like you, uh, say for lightweight, uh, you're doing uh, what's one of the workouts that you do 30 of them, um, at a time, the snatch workout. Uh, right? Isabel. 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 Yeah. Say Isabel. Um, well, it, you're, you're 30 reps for time. Well, I'm not going to have you come down and set your hips down where I think you'd be for a heavyweight every time you set yourself up. It would be both slower and energy consuming. So you keep your hips higher and you'd, you'd you may still have the knee jutting out a little bit in front of the bar, but you'd be pretty near leg extension and you give it a little leg and a little back and pop it up and get back to the same position and do it again. Whereas if it's 180 pounds, I'm going to have you sit for one rep. I'm going to have you sit down and get on that bar. Exactly. Right. Did you happen to see down the Kendrick a few years back, Kendrick Ferris did grace, which is the same as Isabel. It's just clean and get a snatch. Yeah, three reps for time at 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and if you watch, I don't know if you've seen the video. It was a pretty cool video, but I mean, he he gets worn out pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, and his technique definitely changes yeah. from rep to rep as he gets more fatigued. Because that's an, an Olympic lifter thinking just the opposite of what we're talking about with CrossFit lifters. He's thinking I'm going to go back to my Olympic lifting position for every one of the, right. well, you can, but not on the clock. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, but it's just going to be slow, you know, yeah. and it's going to wear you out because it, those positions are not made to lift something 30 times. Right. Those positions. Oh, do you remember? Do you remember the conversation I had with you? I think it was like the first time you came down. <laughs> That's all I can think about. Like, there was that, what was that CrossFit open workout where it was like uh, 15 snatch with 75 pounds and 30 double unders. It might've been like a seven minute AMRAP or something yeah, like that. I can't remember. Yeah. So Don came down and uh, I actually uh, said to him, you know, I tried to do every rep perfect with, uh, with the stupid light 75 pound snatch and put my hips, just like you're talking about, you know, setting my hips, making sure I'm using leg drive and, no. and and I, I got smoked. And then I said, what I ended up doing is I tried to do the workout again. And I think I beat it by about four rounds because I did this new technique. I called it the Alibaba, you know, Al Qaeda technique where I looked like I was headbutting the floor and yeah. just high hips and just like slamming yeah. the, on the ground and just power snatching it up. And, yeah. and I, and I think I beat my score by about, I think three or four rounds and, and me and Donald sure. laughed. That. And that's exactly what you guys are talking about, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's a different technique if it's a lightweight, but you know, it's important for the athlete to understand that. You know, if yeah. the athlete is uh, relatively new and they're mimicking crappy form, they're gonna they're gonna go with that form when they start going with a uh, maximal weight. 
Right. Um, They're going to try to do the same thing with the heavyweight as they did with the light form. The lightweight, uh, it might have been a very good technique for the lightweight. It wouldn't even be a crappy technique. It would be a good technique for the lightweight. It's not going to work for a heavyweight and vice versa. Uh, It just isn't. And and I think they should be taught. This is why, I mean, and you know this, it's it's the famous thing. Matter of fact, I call it a CrossFit miss. Uh, Missing in front now to me has become a CrossFit miss. Uh, and uh, crossfitters, there's, there's a rare crossfitter that eleven lose a snatch behind. That, yeah. that just doesn't happen. They miss it in front all the time because that's, that's what high rep oh. and back over will do. Because yeah. you'll expect to make that and with a lightweight, and you will make it. Right. You will when not I, be – go ahead. When I, see, when I see somebody miss from behind, I freaking applaud them. I tell so them, I. fucking awesome that you yeah. did that. You're understanding that. Now you're trying to catch the bar in the right position, but yeah. your, glute, your glutes aren't turning on because they're not used to that. They're not, they're not used, used to that. Basically, the big muscles don't know where you are. Correct. They don't, they don't know how to stop it. So, so getting back to this theory of what you're talking about, it's kind of funny because I uh, actually coach a uh, remote coach, a, uh, um, a master's athlete, Carrie Napoli. She's out of uh, Atlanta. She's doing a Wadapalooza um, workout. And I basically told her, and I think the, I think the movement is hang, hang snatch, hang power snatch. I pretty much told her the uglier that freaking looks, the better it's going to be for you because you need, <laughs> you need to basically kettlebell swing that, that snatch up like, you know, yeah. art, you know, and she was laughing, but, uh, no, it's, it's the truth. It is the truth. It's the way it has to be. Uh, it just uh, simply, you can't bring that technique of, of lightweights, many reps down to the floor. And, li- and expect to lift heavyweights. Heavyweights have to be placed exactly. They have to, the pull has to come up and in at you uh, rather than kind of be half in front of you. And you can't use the upper back and the arms to try to lift a heavyweight over your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they, they the, the, the upper back and the arms, the upper back just holds position and lean now, nowadays leans back a little at explosion. And then the arms only bring you under. If they're bringing the bar up, you're screwed. Yeah. Right. Well, there was, a, there was a conversation a while back. I think Danny Camargo even said it, you know, like that if he has, uh, you know, he'll try to have his uh, athletes with straight arms. Uh, but the, uh, if they have a little elbow bend uh, through the second pull, he doesn't worry too much about it if they're making the lift. But when you see a lot of uh, new CrossFitters or even ex- so-called experienced ones or, you know, people – they're pulling super early and they're muscling it up yeah. with their arms. And then, then they expect to be able to make a, he- that's yeah. in a Metcon. Then they expect to be able to make a heavy lift the same way. No. And it never happens. That's no, why they because front, they're right? going to, they're going to what work with a lightweight. Yeah. And they're going to lift a heavy weight that way. So do you think this is the whole basis of the argument? Like, you know, NSCA people or, or, or you know, various internet experts, you know, that's their biggest pitch. A lot of times when you're in both of these communities, weightlifting and CrossFit, um, hearing the argument that, you know, CrossFit does Olympic lifts at high reps and that's wrong. And so I think that's the basis of the argument. Would you agree? No. Well, it might be the basis of the argument, but it's bullshit. Uh, You know, uh, CrossFit is CrossFit. CrossFit is a a generalist um, uh, paradigm, a generalist workout that's supposed to get a lot of things done. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't say you never lift heavy with Olympic lifts. That's true. It says you do a lot of reps with explosives 
movements light. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, uh, I, I see there, there is a time that I wonder whether uh, about certain workouts like Isabel and mm -hmm. stuff like that should be done just because of the danger of deteriorating form, yeah. um, even, in the, even if it's done correctly for light weights. Uh, but I don't see anything big in, 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 in doing them in, in repetition form. Um, uh, I, I think, I, I tell, tell you the truth, I think a lot of these arguments, I think a, a lot of weightlifting coaches will find a reason for CrossFit to be wrong um, or non-acceptable just because they're elitist clowns, uh, <laughs> frankly. And, and they had it all to themselves for a thousand years and they yeah. managed to almost, almost drive the sport out of existence. Um, and cross, as soon as CrossFit came into it and uh, CrossFit um, uh, lifters got, got, the, got the bug to lift a heavy weight, uh, this sport exploded and we've got millions of dollars where we never did and thousands of lifters where we never did and new coaches beating old coaches, lifters with their lifters. And I frankly think they don't like it. I think they, yeah. uh, they, they want to say things about CrossFitters and and I've heard a couple of the uh, live streams uh, earlier on, a few, couple, three years ago, and they were, you know, basically very just insulting to these new kids who were out there trying. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth. And uh, myself and a few coaches have talked about this before. Frankly, today, the lifting that is going on in a meet like one of these American Open series meets which is taking a lower level lifter and mixing them with higher level lifters. But the whole thing, it's not as high level as a national meet or the American Open in December. Uh, but what I'll say is that the, the technique displayed overall from A group to G group is better than it used to be, to me, at a national meet in the USAW. Yeah. So what's happened, and, and this happens is, um, yep, some of the uh, CrossFit athletes, a little rough, still doing what we're talking about they're doing, but they also, and their coaches do too, they also pick up what they see real yeah. quick. Yeah, that's true. And, and they catch on, they, they, they've got better body movement abilities a lot of times than maybe what I'll call the average kid we get in for a, be a lifter Yeah, uh, because they've done all this GPP. And they pick up on it. And I can sit there and watch an e-session and not have to go up and, you know, go get a coffee or something because I, I I'm disgusted and I walk <laughs> out. Now, now I've, I've walked out of a couple of B sessions at the, American, the real American Open yeah. years ago uh, with a couple of other coaches because we couldn't watch it anymore. Yeah. And they were all lifters. Yeah. They weren't crossfitters. They were all lifters. They just had lousy technique. And that was lousy technique taught by coaches that were only USAW coaches. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, I just couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. So, so good tech, better technique is spreading uh, through the ranks. And I think better coaching is being done. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I think the idea that CrossFit has come, come into it with is a, is a healthy idea. They want to beat people. They want to win. They want to do better yeah. uh, when they're presented with that situation. They obviously want to improve themselves. 
Right. But they also don't shy from competition at all. Uh, that's a, and that's, I, yeah, that's I an think, interesting point They that, uh, you know, the competitive aspect of CrossFit. And now are, are, we, are we selecting these competitive people and the, the, the talented genetic athlete from CrossFit into USA weightlifting? I know in my area, well, we don't have scholastic weightlifting, no. but yet there are a lot of youth weightlifters. And, you know, so they're, they're learning it. So they wouldn't have learned it anywhere else other than CrossFit. And so no. they're choosing it as a sport now. Do, we, do you we, we, that, we've got a kid. I think, of, of course, they're going to, you know, I think humans, humans will pick out something they can do better than other humans when it's a competitive situation. And, and humans are competitive. They're, they're by nature competitive. Uh, and if they see something they like to do and they find out that, oh, I can do it a little better than the five guys next to me, they're going to they're gonna tend to go towards that. And I yeah. think that's happening in CrossFit. Um, and and, and I, hope, <laughs> I hope to hell it continues to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a natural kind of thing. It's not, it's not going to be for every CrossFit kid. You're right. going to have your CrossFit kids in there that are lanky runner types. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're just not, I mean, there is a, there is a body for yeah, weightlifting. Sure. There is sure. a body type for weightlifting. We don't have any six, we don't have any six, nine weight, uh, weightlifters. Right. Exactly. Period. You know just like mean? we don't have any four foot tall swimmers. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, but those no, people I, are going to find it. Yeah. I got a question for you. Um, what's your thoughts on the future of USA weightlifting? I mean, I know we've seen, we're seeing a lot of these, uh, drug tests coming out with a lot of these lifters from the past that are actually getting stripped of their medals. Um, two, two questions here. Um, how rampant do you think their drug use is in, in um, not only weightlifting as a whole, but also like USA weightlifting? Do you think that we, um, you know, the big theory is the reason why we haven't been so good as these other countries with weightlifting is because we, are tested a little bit more stringently than other countries are. And now that things seem to be getting uh, pretty serious to the point where they're actually nervous that they may strip USA weightlifting away from, or not USA weightlifting, weightlifting as a whole out of the Olympics because of the amount of people that are actually testing positive for steroids. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? What are you thinking as far as um, how, how uh, how much steroid use is there in weightlifting as a whole and in the U.S. in the USA? Okay, this is going to be a complicated answer, but okay, as a whole, you know, it, it'd be silly to deny that that uh, steroid use, PEDS use, if you will, uh, isn't rampant in the world. Uh, it certainly is. Um, the the Russians the Russians, as far as I'm concerned, should be thrown out for a couple of years. The Chinese are getting away with it, but they've gotten caught a few. They're, they're both, you know, they're both countries that they're just very big and very good right now. And they, they get people caught and the Russians especially seem to be deteriorating on their control of the drugs in their country and, and they're getting caught more. Um, it, 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 there's a lot of drug use and it may get us thrown out of the Olympics uh, at which time I'll probably go blow up something in Russia or something, you know, or, or China, you know, get myself in a lot of trouble. Uh, but um, I, I think uh, it's somewhat controlled. I, I, I've got to see more than I've seen out of the IOC and WADA 
in, uh, in getting these guys to uh, come into line. Uh, I, don't, I don't coach people that do drugs. Uh, I never had because uh, I'd be embarrassed to go home and see mom, uh, and, and, you know, and say I, I, I've been giving drugs to kids. You know, that wouldn't fly at my house. Uh, and mom's still alive, so you got to watch her. She's feisty. Um, but but uh, I think drug, uh, drug use and PEDS use in general has upticked in the United States. But frankly, I mean, you're talking about a sport that's gone from uh, about 2,000 very insulated weightlifters who are pretty much in the 90s convinced that there just is not going to be any weight, any drug use in this sport to 28,000 people who aren't that convinced and haven't been in the rigid uh, testing uh, area that we have. And um, you're going to have an uptick in lifting. But the, but the testing is still very difficult. I think um, we've had in the, last, in the last two months, I've got a couple that live together that have been tested um, between them nine times in two or three months. Wow. You know, yeah, come into the house in the morning. The, the uh, woman is actually thinking of baking cookies and just having them ready uh, yeah, for, for the, visiting for the, USADA for people. USADA shows up, you get cookies. Yeah, they're going to have cookies and, because they just expect them. Uh, you know, they, they, they come to their house, they get them in, they get them in, uh, at, at competitions. Uh, without a doubt, they get them at competitions. And so, you know, you have a lot of testing going on, and that's going to keep up, and we're going to catch more people. Um, and it's too bad, but, and, and the other thing here is too, there's so much more available on the internet that yeah. seems like it might be sketchy, but okay. Right. And the tendency is for lifters or young sports people anywhere is, oh, they hear, oh, it can up my testosterone level, but it's legal. Well, what legal doesn't mean shit. Uh, yeah. Whether it passes the test means everything. Right. Legal means nobody goes to jail for it, but you might be banned by using it because the rules of USADA say, no, we don't take that. Um, and and there's, there's, more, there's a lot more of that. People, they get into stuff they don't even know what they're getting into. Uh, or they, they, they have somebody that's supposed yeah. to be a coach tell them, ah, oh, you'll never get caught or it's okay, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. Uh, and, you know, it's sold over, it's basically over the counter. You know, it's an over-the-counter thing, the supplements, that's the big word. Um, and, um, you know, kids take stuff. And, and kids come from, and CrossFit's one of the sports too, not the only one, powerlifting's mm -hmm. another, where there just isn't that much testing. Just right. isn't that much testing. I mean, they, they always, uh, CrossFit is saying that, oh, we tested the games. Well, the old joke in, in weightlifting was that if you know when the test is going to be, you can be you can be juiced to the gills right. and study pass the test. You can study it's not for the hard. <laughs> it's a random it's a random test that always get everybody. Yeah, and and that's you know that's unfortunate. It's 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 um, I think it's going to backfire on CrossFit eventually. They'll they'll come to the point that they'll have their Russian moment, where yeah. several of the people have banded together and bought all their drugs together. It's going to happen, and they're all going to get caught. You know, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. it, it's, it's going to, and, and that's going to hurt the business, which is really too bad because uh, CrossFit, it, it, you know, the basic concept of CrossFit is really, really making a lot of people much more healthy. 
especially yeah. up into their thirties and forties. Yeah. Uh, than they were because it you know it doesn't demand that you be on a team or something. Uh, it demand it demands that you work hard and you self improve uh, uh, at the yeah. basic uh, basic basis of itself. So but anyway, yeah, so no, that's kind. That yeah. so how how do you when it when it comes to uh, banned substances with your athletes? Um, how do you how do you approach that with them? How do you discuss it with them? And how do you um, kind of enforce your um, your standard with your well athlete. I mean there's there's only so much you can do I mean I, I don't I, I I would say over the years uh, I, I like everybody else in the coaching business has kind of gotten to a position where you're treading water you're not so much way ahead of it anymore because I don't I haven't kept up with all the new things frankly mm -hmm. I, I read a couple of articles in um, uh, the USADA website this past couple of months of stuff I'd never heard of. You know, I not ever heard of it. Most of the things I used to just know. Yeah. Um, even the ones that would be medications that would be given, given to um, ADD kids and stuff like that. Right. You had to watch it or you had to get what they call a TV, oh, yeah. which was a temporary oh, yeah. thing and, and stuff like that. Or when, they, when somebody was gonna go have an operation, you had to watch for certain things. I used to know pretty much everything. I, I, I'm coming to the conclusion I'm way behind. What I always tell kids is if you want me to coach you, don't. Just don't. Right. And I'll be able to tell, you know, pretty quickly when you are because I've been around and seen it a lot. Now, that pretty much goes for the older steroids and growth hormone and stuff. Some of this stuff now is a lot more subtle. Yeah. Um, and you don't have the, the out outward effects the visible effects that you do and you don't have the you don't have the big gains either um but you know but i tell kids as much as i can our club like a lot of clubs has members that we never see right. in the gym they're remote members um you try to control it you try to warn them um uh, we've uh we have not had any kid that's represented us in the national scene ever test positive uh, and I've been up here about, uh, about well, coming on a year and a half now, I guess. Uh, but um, muscle driver was the same before that. We'd never had a kid and they were tested all the time. They, the, the USADA was in there weekly testing somebody. Yeah. Um, and they never had a kid test positive for anything. Uh, so, you know, you, you try to keep it and, and, uh, and that's about the best you can do. I think I think all of the clubs, especially the ones that have a lot of remote lifters, um, have had one or two caught doing something. And basically, it comes down to you can't maintain control. Things have gotten too big. Uh, it, you know, like I say, two thousand versus twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just can't keep your eyes on everybody. Every you know, there are a lot more clubs. You know who, um, Stephen? You know who, and maybe you too, Mike. You know who Leo Totten is yeah. in East Coast Gold? They've got a yep. gigantic team him. that's spread yep. all around the country, different gyms, different coaches. Oh, there's, there's no way you can keep your eye on everybody. It yep. just isn't. You know, it, um, you try to keep your eye on the ones that you're bringing to nationals. And you hope, in our case, we like to have those people in our gym, if we can at all. We try to have them move here and, uh, you know, 
somehow uh, support themselves a little bit and um, uh, lift with us. But that makes sense. You know, it's not always possible. Kids go to school. Kids have to have yeah. jobs. Kids, kids don't. Kids don't want to leave home. Period. You know, so you, you do yeah. the best you can, and you. I think the numbers in the USAW, as far as USADA go, are still pretty good comparatively um, to again how many members we have now. Uh, but they're gonna they're gonna go up. You know. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know you just gotta try to maintain a handle on it best you can. So, uh, so Don, I know, um, I know muscle driver had a pretty good thing going on. Um, it was, uh, it's really sad to see that, that kind of cave in and, you know, yeah. what, um, I mean, is anybody else trying to put something together like that? Or, you know, can you kind of elaborate like, yeah, how did that all? No. How did and, that well, go the down? Basic, the basic things. The basic thing was, if people don't know, Muscle Driver USA was a weight uh, uh, equipment company. It made plates and bars and machines and all this other stuff. Uh, they also um, had a large weightlifting gymnasium within their buildings uh, or building. Uh, the warehouse kind of building is what it was, and a, and a manufacturing kind of building, and. Um, and we had a, a team of weightlifters, men and women, that trained there. Uh, and it was a fantastic situation. They also gave pretty good stipends to the lifters. Uh, so it kept them in a situation where either they didn't even have to have a job with the stipend they got from Muscle Driver and the stipend they got from the USAW, or they had to have part-time jobs and they could li live pretty easily and train a lot. Um, Basically, what happened is the business went out of business. It wasn't anything to do with the lifters. Um, the lifting thing, we were doing well. We had just um, won both championships in the year that they closed. We had won the, the men's and the women's senior titles. The year before, we had taken one and two. So we were doing very well there. Uh, it was a fantastic situation. Uh, but the business wasn't well run. Uh, come right down to it. And... Uh, uh, I think now, and I was a big, I have been a big supporter in um, having corporate sponsorship of weightlifting teams. I thought that was going to be the next big thing, the thing that would easily take place, take the place of like the OTC, which we no longer have, which I never liked anyway. Um, but now I think that perhaps it's going to be the combination businesses that combine CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting and maybe some other kind of training and support the Olympic weightlifting uh, team through that. And the Olympic weightlifting teams are never going to be big money makers. Right. Uh, there's just not enough of them and it's not a big enough sport. It's not football. Uh, it's right. not anything like that. Even if they, even at now 28,000 members, uh, probably that means 16,000 lifters total or something like that because there are coaches and uh, other people that are members also, uh, maybe more. But in any case, they won't ever be 200,000, you know, lifters, or I, I tend to doubt it. You know, it's um, CrossFit's the biggest physical uh, business that there is. Uh, and, and the when one that I think... Right? When, when you mean compared to weightlifting, right? Compared to weightlifting, right. Uh, the biggest... 
the biggest business in that world that there is right now in the world of uh, any kind of physical activity, any kind of physical getting in shape activity, of course, it's just bigger. And the yep. potential is still for growth. Maybe not in the United States anymore. It seems to have seems to have slowed down. I'd agree. And there are businesses going out of business, but that's a competitive thing. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, but um, I think it's still going to grow. I think it's going to stay because you get all age groups in and, and you don't, like I said, you don't have to make a team to go do CrossFit every day. There's, there's not that yeah. kind of, you know, there's not that kind of thing with it, um, yeah. which, which slows down some other, other businesses. And you don't have to be a bodybuilder. Uh, but in any case, um, I think the link between those kinds of businesses is going to be the, the thing that keeps Olympic weightlifting alive yeah, uh, and helps it grow even more. I think it's got the potential to grow to 40, maybe 50,000 weightlifters in the country, yeah. uh, which will be unbelievable because now, and that's it's happening already, some of those weightlifters are going to get contracts with magazines to have their pictures taken, and they're going to make a lot more money like that individually. Right. And that's going to draw right. even more people. It's a shame. It's a shame like uh, a company like Rogue or somebody wouldn't step up and uh, maybe start a program. But just like you said, man, you know, these these companies, they're in business to make money. They're not stupid. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, if it's not going to, not going to, you know, they're not going to do it. I'm sure they're doing their research and it would be nice, but unfortunately. Yeah. And it's you know, also, it's, yeah, uh, that, like you say, they've got a business to run. And it's a, it's a competitive industry, as Absolutely. you well know. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. so it's, yeah. Uh, it's a lot to do. Well, listen, uh, well, listen, we covered a lot of material, and there's <laughs> – I mean, we can go on forever, Don, and uh, Only yeah, we try beer. to keep these podcasts around an hour, hour we'll and a half. We'll do beer next time. Yeah, I'm telling you, beer, whatever it that takes. Should, that should be an interesting but, uh, conversation. But let's – real quick, <laughs> I want to just – a last, last few – the few things I want to bring up before we leave is, number one, tell us a little bit about your book, Don. Oh, okay. Uh, a book I wrote, uh, what, seven years ago now called uh, Power Trip, um, yep. a guide to weightlifting for athletes, parents, and coaches. Uh, awesome. And basically, that's what it is. It's, a, it, it's kind of a, how, what is it, introduction to weightlifting, which at that time, not many people knew what yep. it was. Um, how do you get a young kid into it? How do you get yourself into it? what the techniques are. I think I talked in that book. That was the first time I actually put down on paper what I meant by catapult and stuff like that. And, and cool. what I thought about lifting. Uh, and, right. and so it's, it's not a big long technical program book or anything like that. It's basically mm -hmm. to introduce it and to, to tell you how, what it is. It's a, it was a good book for CrossFitters to kind of find out what the, what the thing is. Uh, and I still, I still sell that? a few copies of that. Well, where do we get it? Uh, you can get it. Amazon has it. Amazon, cool. Amazon has it, uh, and it's around. And again, like I say, it's a, it's a, it's kind of an introduction thing, and and what the sport is, and how to do it, kind of thing. I felt that was needed at that time. There wasn't a book like that around. Um, so, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of pictures in it. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's that's what it is. Yeah, I'm good. Matter of fact, I think next year, early next year, I'm going um down to australia uh on kind of a clinic ver clinic slash book tour to kind of oh, explain what nice. i meant by some things and and also do clinics 
you know, active clinics where we get a lot of lifters trying out the things I'm talking about. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. All right. So Mike, uh, if you, if you listen, Mike, you said there's a lot of pictures in that book, so you might understand it and you can actually, there you go, Mike. <laughs> nice. hey, man. you know, Very nice. <laughs> anything more than a sentence, uh, I get bored. So. Yeah. Me too. Like pictures. That's, why it's a short book. That's why it's a short book. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody wanted to, uh, host you for a, um, a weightlifting clinic, how do they get in touch with you, Don? Uh, basic, best, best way is probably my email. Uh, it's Don at liftcatapult.com. Um, you can also get in touch with me at, at Mash Elite Performance or Facebook. Uh, okay. Any way they want to do it, uh, just get in touch with me and we'll try to set it up. Awesome. I highly recommend it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to start uh, setting up a date in the future to have you come down because, you know, you definitely teach a lot of these uh, lifters. And I, I mean, I'm a weightlifting coach, but, you know, it's kind of cool to sit back and let other coaches come in that you uh, can, you know, can rely on that are actually going to show some different things and sometimes maybe a different cue or a different setup or anything, you know, to help your members out. I mean, some of these coaches have their huge egos where they think uh, it's got to be their, their way or no way. And, you know, the, the best thing that I think I've always followed that saying is, you know, always a student and I love learning from other coaches and seeing them work and picking up different cues and different techniques. And if it works, I keep it. If it don't work, I throw it out. There so this is going to conclude this podcast. And uh, Don, I, I really had an uh, enjoyable time chatting with you. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. And we're probably going to, you know, we say this to most of our um, participants, but you know, this is going to be hard not to do another one with you in the future. So we'll We'll have to figure that out. We got a big lineup of different people coming on, but maybe sometime in the future we'll have to uh, sit down and do another podcast and talk more about some of the things that we were talking about. Sure, absolutely. And uh, yeah, get me down there because now Allegiant Airlines flies out of here. I can get down there for about forty-two bucks. So. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus, it's unbelievable. Jesus. Good deal. <laughs> maybe I'll go to Savannah. I'm telling you. Awesome. All right, man. all right. Thank you a lot, Doc. Hey, nice, nice talking to you, Mike. And uh, yeah. Stephen, well, it's always, uh, well, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure we get Kat. Hey, say, say hi to Heidi for me. I will, uh, buddy. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks again, guys. Awesome. Have a good one. Great going. See, see you all later. Bye. Bye. -bye.